I wonder if we can put our hands together. Can we give God a cheer this morning? Can we do better than that? Amen. Can we give God a cheer? I'm going to believe that there's only one name. Come on. Give it among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. I'm going to just say the Lord is wonderful. He's awesome. He's beautiful. Amen. And he's powerful. Amen. Aren't you glad this morning that we are under one name? Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. Amen. This morning. So good to see everybody here. And um, we welcome you if you're visiting with us for the first time. I know we have some out-of-town guests that uh, you're, you're not new. You are just really good friends of ours that you stopped by. So we want to say thank you for coming today and welcome. And uh, <clears throat> how many know when God's Word's good this morning and, and we've come to really gather and worship the Lord and and uh, how many love the time of praise and worship? Because that's a time when we can tell the Lord how great He is, how big He is. Amen. That's a time when we can look at our problems and say, wait a second, I've got an answer, I've got a solution. Amen. My God is greater. Amen. Hallelujah. How many can just say that this morning, that God's greater? Anything you're going through, any problem, any circumstance that we're facing, He's greater. Amen. God is greater. He's bigger. And He's wonderful. Amen. So we just come to really bless the Lord this morning and uh, take some time out to hear His Word. And uh, we know that some things have been going on and we've just been having some family time with uh, some of our friends and family in the church and um, just really celebrating with them some of the lives that have gone on to heaven. And, and um, we know that the Lord is our comforter. How many are thankful that the Lord is our comforter? Amen. said, the Holy Spirit's coming and it'll be just like I never left and He's going to comfort you. Amen. So we know that that's uh, the Lord, what He does so bad, so, so good is He comforts us. Amen. So we've been kind of walking in that the last few days, just walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, we're praying for family and friends that um, may have been going through some difficult times. But uh, how many know it's so good that when there's people that love you and are supporting you and standing with you in prayer, how many know that's so much easier to walk through things, so much easier to go through things when uh, you know that there's a, a group of people behind you that love you and are praying for you? And uh, I think that's really good. Amen. I want to just say I'm so thankful today, uh, this morning. I just thought of about something as soon as I got up and just really said um, a big thank you to the Lord. I'm really thankful for our intercessory prayer team. Uh, Brother Rick heads it up. And uh, just that they're praying uh, for, for really our church, our nation. And uh, just so thankful for our prayer team. They meet before church on Sundays and Tuesdays and Thursdays, I believe, right now. And uh, just praying and really praying for uh, the Lord's will to be done. And, and uh, how many know God responds to prayer? Amen. And, and uh, really begins to sharp, uh, shape and, and, uh, our culture and our society. And so we're so thankful for prayer that is going up. And so if you'd like to join um, the intercessory prayer team, just see Brother Rick. He... Um, just kind of, um, and this morning he did the class two, our second class of growth track. He taught that, and uh, so I'm told that he was there, right? Good. Okay, great. Good there he taught. So, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. And um, you can turn me down a little, this little ring here, but um, anyways, we're so thankful for it. We've just been talking about living under the influence, living under the influence, and out of Titus chapter two, the power of grace in our lives, the impact of grace in our lives, and how it influences us. And uh, we just kind of were talking about and, and really been in the series of living under the influence of the end. 
How many know that we're living under the influence of the end? Amen. Eternity shapes our lives, doesn't it? Amen. When we live in light of eternity, it has a way of changing our perspective, has a way of changing our thoughts, our speech, and our actions. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, man, I'm living under the influence of the end? Amen. And so we want to continue on with that this morning. I'm going to read a scripture, say a thought, and then we'll pray. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the, towards the end of the chapter, in 57 verses, he's talking about the resurrection of the body. Paul's going into this long discourse and tremendous revelation. And he even said the Lord showed him this. This is something the Lord showed him. But in verse 58, towards the end, he says this. He said, in light of all this, or what he's talking about, the resurrection of the body, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, or fully engaged in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, uh, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Your life's work, your life's labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so we want to just share with you for a few moments, those that are living under the influence of the end, persevere in this life. How many know perseverance is so important? Amen. I think if we were to sum up the Christian life experience in one word, it would be perseverance. Amen. Persevering to the end. Steadfast, he says here. Immovable, fully engaged. You know, as Christians, we do not and will not change our position. How many know what I'm talking about? We won't change our intention and we're not going to change our faith. Is that right? Amen. Why? Because we're steadfast, we're immovable, we're always fully engaged in the work of the Lord. You know, God could change uh, really his, his purpose, but He won't. God could change His definition of love, but He won't. God could change His decrees, but He won't. How many believe that? Right? Why won't God do that? Because it's good enough. What God has written, what God has said is true enough, good enough, right enough, correct enough, amen, blessed enough, eternal enough, amen. So God doesn't have to change those things. He, he won't actually, He just won't because it's good enough, amen. And so as Christians, we have to understand that one of the things we, we do is we, we are not going to change our position in, in Christ. Come on, we're not going to change our intentions, what God has for us, where we're going as a church, Amen. And what, what, what the Lord wants. And, and, and we're not going to change our faith. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're not going to change our faith. Why? Because we are a people that persevere. We're a people that are steadfast, immovable, fully engaged. And Paul said that those that are living under the influence of the end, he taught this, they really learn to persevere in this life. When we persevere in this life. You know, the Bible writes in Hebrews about Christians and what the, the type of Christians that we are. We're not... The Bible says of those that draw back. How many know we're not people that retreat? We're not people that give up easily. We're not people that give, throw in the towel. We're not people that quit. Come on, we don't stop. We don't quit. We don't, we're not idle. Is that right? We don't just leave. Amen. We're in for the long haul. We persevere. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. And so as Jesus was teaching, he, he talked about an example of seeds on the ground. And the ground was like people's hearts and the, the seed was the word of God. And one of the things Jesus said, there's a type of people that they endure for a season, but then they give up. How many know the Bible doesn't want us to give up? We're people who don't give up. And we don't run away and we don't retreat. Amen. We persevere until the end. 
Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful day, wonderful group of people. Lord, we are your people. And Lord, if we don't know you, perhaps today there'll be something shared from your word that will draw our hearts a little closer to you and open up our hearts to you. That Lord will say, Lord, I want to know you more. And I pray, Lord, that through your word, which is spirit, which is life, which is, Lord, cuts right to the bone. It really gets to where we live. Lord, I pray that it would change us today. And we just thank you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If we were to find perseverance, I think we would say it this way. We would call it uneventful routine. (laughs) Uneventful routine. You just persevere. But I believe that the best way to define perseverance is two things. Number one, to endure. And number two, have endurance. Big, big definition there. (laughs) Surprised, aren't you? Blowing away. Amen. Persevere is to to endure and to have endurance. In Matthew chapter 24, in verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14, and this is the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Amen. How many believe we're living under the influence of the end? Amen. As Christians. Hallelujah. Amen. But we're, we're learning to endure. We're learning to have endurance in our lives. And so, so many times this word, when the Bible talks about endure to the end, or those that endure to the end will be saved, a lot of times what he's talking about, he actually, you know, the writers actually link this word to persecution and hardship. Amen? You know, when you think of persevering and enduring in the Word of God, we certainly don't think of going to a party. We usually think about getting through something, walking through, come on, walking it out, living it out, persevering. But how many know it's only through perseverance did the snail make it to the ark? Amen? So that's how we are as Christians. We persevere. But the word endure is very interesting. I love uh, some of these definitions, especially in the New Testament. It means to remain. To stay behind. That's interesting, isn't it? How many know where Jesus said, I'm going away, but you're going to stay behind? <laughs> Amen? But be, be of cheer. Be a good cheer. I'm going to help you overcome the world. But it means to stay behind. It means to undergo. It means to bear burdens, to suffer through something. So what we do is, it was when we talk about enduring, we talk about having to put up with something. Having to go through something. Having to walk through it. Or having to live it out. Uh, in fact, you know, in 1 Corinthians, one of the attributes of love is endurance. Love endures all things. Did you know that? How many know love endures all things? And so this is what it is. And so it's, you endure. There's just things that you endure in life. And then there's endurance. That means to have fortitude and, and to endure patiently. To have a, a strong resolve. To be steady. That's what the word endurance means. To be steady. And you know, no matter what sports you're in or fitness program or whatever you're doing, you know, one of the things you learn right away, especially when you're younger and you're getting into a sports program, is that one of the things you have to do is you have to run, run, run. Why do you do that? You have to have endurance. So that in the fourth quarter or whether the third period or whatever the sport is or whatever the condition is, you still have strength to the end. How many know endurance is strength to the end? Is that right? And so <clears throat> just went for a bike ride the other day and realized I'm not really enduring this whole thing correctly. I need to go home. And so rode a little bit and realized my endurance level isn't as what it should be, so I'm going to practice more. So that's what it is. It means to endure and so that you'll have this endurance, so that you'll have strength at the end of the race or the end of the sport or the end of the game. You'll still have some 
gas left in your tank. And so how many know it's those hours and hours and hours on the treadmill in the gym around the blocks or around the track that really cause you to have strength at the end of the race. And see, this is what the Bible says. In fact, Paul talks about life as a, a race. And he says that we are to run the race with patience, with endurance, so that we'll have endurance till the end. He that runs to the end will make it, right? Will receive a crown of life and will we'll make it. And so that's what he's talking about. And so how many know we're people of endurance? Amen. We're people of pers uh, perseverance. And so I, I believe this is important to understand that this is why it's so important. We have, have to have the word of God in our life because really God's word helps us persevere. Really, and, and this is the reality of it, is there's so many things in life that you'll want to make make you want to quit and give up. How many know what I'm talking about? There's so many things you go through that you just want to throw in the towel. You just want to, I'm done with this. I want to stop this. I, want, I can't continue in this. But how many know God's Word really helps you with endurance? Come on. Because it gives us hope and strength to the end. How many have ever been through a situation said, Lord, I really don't know if I can make it through this, but you opened the Bible and you found out there was strength and hope there and took you to the end. Amen. You were able to go through it and get over it and, and, and kind of, you know, see victory because of the Word of God. Amen. Because God's Word gives us hope and strength to the end. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it promise us or say that life is a bed of roses. Nowhere. It doesn't say that you'll have no problems, that you'll, that you'll get off scot-free and that everybody else will get sick except you. You know, there, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that life is a, a bed of roses, but one thing it does say is it says that no matter what we go through, God will be with us to the end. Aren't you glad that He's with us? Amen. Aren't you glad that He's with us? Amen. I love that. So that's what perseverance means. I like this, uh, this uh, verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. I just read it just the other day. It says in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, that we are kept, who are kept, we, talking about believers, are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Talking about the end times. I like this translation. It says, and God in His mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting Him. It will be yours in that coming last day for all to see. And then you jump down to verse 13 of 1 Peter and he says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many you know God wants us to endure to the end? God wants us to have strength at the end. He wants us to, to learn these things and to learn endurance and to learn these things so that we'll be able to persevere in this life. I wrote this down um, the other day, and I, I believe that God's will always leads us to His promises. That's why we have to persevere. Because God's will, no matter what it is, will always lead us to His promises. How many believe that? And so that's why it's important that we persevere. And that through the Holy Spirit, we learn two things that are so important. And one of the I've learned over the, of the years that the Holy Spirit really teaches us is that He teaches us to be persistent and consistent. Come on. He teaches us to hang in there, to stick with it, not give up in the things that are important in life. And then He really helps us be consistent in what we say and what we do. How many know Christians need to be consistent? Amen. Right? I think some people have a problem with Christianity because it's, they don't see the consistency in a lot of people's lives. But how many know the Holy Spirit leads you to a place of being consistent? You're consistent in the way you live. You're consistent in the way you think and talk and raise kids. And Come on. 
Amen? That's what the Lord wants us to be. Amen? That's why the Bible talks about a daily relationship with God because it's teaching us to be consistent. Amen? So that we'll be persistent until the end. Amen? And so just let me give you a few things today in persevering in this life. Now going back to our original text um, in Titus chapter 2 where it says that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live in this present age soberly and righteously. And then it goes in and it says that we are looking for the glorious appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Is that what it says? Amen. And then, and then there's a couple other things as you read down that are so important. And it talks about persevering in this life. And so just give me, let me give you some keys today in persevering in this life. Number one, just taken from our text in Titus chapter 2 that we need to reject ungodliness and sin's pleasures. That, how many know that that's a key in persevering in this life? So, well, well, what does that have to do with persevering? Well, one of the things that we see is that, uh, you, you know, it says that we aren't to love the world, that we are to, we are to love God with all our heart. Come on, we're not to, to love the world and the things in the world because everything in the world is not of the Father, but it's, come on, but it, it's, it's going to fade away, it's going to burn up, it's, it's not of the kingdom of God. We're not to love the world and we're not to get sidetracked from loving the world and being in, in the world. Amen. And the Bible says that we're not to be get tired of doing what's right. No matter what, what, what we find ourselves and, and what culture is doing, we're not to be tired or get weary in well-doing. We're supposed to be living right. How many believe that we're supposed to live right? Amen. Oh yeah, we're all trying, but we're supposed to do it, right? And the other thing I like about the Bible and teaches us, it is not about that it's about separation, not isolation. So it's about separation to God and, and being separate, uh, you know, in your heart to the Lord. And you're His and He's yours. And whatever He wants you to do, you'll do it. Come on. We don't, we don't live in this uh, up on a hill and white robes and a gated community and, and uh, the world is bad and we're good. How many know uh, the world needs to know Jesus Christ? Amen. And they need to know Him through your life. So it's about separation to God, not isolation. And it's not about, if you read this scripture, that we're to reject ungodliness and sin's pleasures. You know, it's not about what, so much what you can't do in the Christian life. It's about what you should be doing, what you can do. How many know the Lord is so good, He just says, man, this is all the things I have for you. If you get busy doing these things, you won't want to do these other things. Amen. And so He just says it. And so part of per persevering in this life is rejecting ungodliness and sin's pleasures. This is part of the message of the, of the Christian faith, the very foundational message that Jesus taught us, that we are to deny ourselves and carry our cross. Amen. We're to deny ourselves and carry our cross. Deny sin's pleasures and, and turn away from those things. Reject those things. Anything that would lead you away from the Lord. Anything that would dim your appetite for God. Anything that would take you off course. We're to reject that. We're to follow in what God has for us. How many love what the Lord has for you? Amen. How many believe that what God has for you is so much better than what the world has? Amen. What sin has. Really, and so this is important to understand because the cross really determines where we spend eternity, but the way we live determines how we spend eternity. It's so important, isn't it? Paul's teachings about kind of life, and we talked about how he, he, he uses life's analogies about running a race, but he says this, he says that when we run for the prize, he said you should run in such a way that you don't let any sin get you off course. Is that right? Anything, you know, we need to get rid of these things that would would weigh us down and get us off course and that would trip us up and cause us to stumble. That's what he said. 
He said that, you know, in order to win and be successful in this Christian life, we've got to reject ungodliness and sin's pleasures. Someone said, I'm really struggling with it. Well, that's why we have the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's why we've been given grace. Because God's empowering us to live above sin. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, really what it is, is that someone said, well, it's really about the rules of my church. We're not supposed to do this and not supposed to do that. You know why uh, I, I don't do the things I do and I do do the things I do? It's because I don't want anything to come between me and the Lord. I don't want to ruin my relationship with God. I don't want anything to, to cause my eyes to get off Him and, and to allow my heart to get away from His goodness. Come on, somebody. Amen. I don't want to ruin my love relationship with the Lord. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to get to a place where that I, I'm, I'm, I'm going against what God wants. I just want it to be what I want. Amen. Amen. I want God's will to be my will. Amen. My will to be His will. And so whatever hinders my pursuit of God, I don't want any part of it. That's why he says that we need to reject these things. Because it stops your, hinder, your, hinders your pursuit of God and your pursuit of God. And, and you know, that's one of the words of perseverance is pursuit. <laughs> Did you know that? When you're pursuing something and you're running after something, the Bible says don't let sin get you off course. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, he says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promises for the both for, for both the present life and the life to come. Aren't you, aren't you glad that godliness not only gives you promises in this life, but in the life to come? It benefits you, and that's what he said. That's what we need to be caught up in. And so the I believe the first thing is that we need to reject ungodliness, as the scripture teaches there in Timothy. But the second thing is in verse 14 of Timothy 2, and that is we need to be full of good works. We've got to be full of good works. I mean, a part of persevering in life is to be full of good works. The Bible says this, and, and in fact, the word to persevere means to maintain or continue. And the Bible teaches us that we need to continue or maintain a life of good works. It got really quiet in here. Amen. Well, good works, that's not, you know, I don't work for my salvation. Of course you don't. You, don't have, you can't do anything to get saved but, and, 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 and earn your salvation. But once you're saved, the Bible says that we need to be full of good works. I mean, no, Jesus went about doing good works. Well, I feel like miracles are better than feeding the poor. Listen, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all good works. Whether you, you know, see people raised from the dead or you feed the poor or somebody, you provide somebody with clothes. How many know it's all the same? It's all good works. And the Bible says that God has got good works for you. Even before the foundation of the world, God has planned that you walk in good works. And so that's why it's important that we listen to the Holy Spirit. Lord, where do you want to take me today? What do you want to do today? How do you want to use me today? The Bible says in verse 14 of Titus chapter 2 that we are to be zealous of good works. We're to be beaming with good works. Not in a proud or boastful way, but it needs to consume our lives. And, and, and not just once a year at Christmas, <laughs> you know, when, when that, you know, or something like that. But how many know we need to be full of good works? It's getting a little better. It's a little better. Full of good works. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, Let your light so shine. You're the light of the world, salt of the earth. City set on a hill. Let the Why? Because so people can look and see and glorify God. I mean, it's important that people look and see not you, but they see Jesus Christ. And they don't say, wow, you're such an awesome, amazing, cool person. I just want to be like you. Say, well, no, it's Jesus. We want people to see that. We want people to see him. We want people to know him. The Bible says that Acts chapter 10, that the life of Jesus, that God anointed Jesus to do these things. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, By grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And read a couple chapter or a couple verses later, it says, But you are to walk in good works. Amen? That God has before ordained for you. And the Bible says that faith without works is dead. You can run around and say how much you believe in God all you want to, but if you don't have works, your faith doesn't mean much. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. 1 Corinthians 3 says that every man shall receive in his own reward according to his own labor or works. Amen. How many know God's got a book? (laughs) He's recording things. Yes, he is. You know, and one of the things I, I like to think about good works is good works... Really, it kills the sin nature because it moves in the opposite attitude of selfishness and indulgence. Did you know that? When, when we move in good works, it actually kills the sin nature. It actually goes against sin nature. And sin nature wants to be selfish and, and self-indulgent and self-righteous. But you know, when, you, when you're walking in good works, it kind of goes against. It moves in the opposite spirit, doesn't it? Amen? Is that right? <laughs> Why? Because we don't get... To give, we don't give to get, we give because we love God and we love other people, right? So it has nothing to do with selfishness or indulgence. And so I believe also that persevering means this, that we need to maintain. We've got to continue these things. We've got to, we've got to walk in these things and be consistent in these things. And there is a really kind of a false teaching or false understanding, whatever you want to say, has been in the church for a little while about good works. About, well, we just not about good works. It's not about good works. Of course it's not about good works to get to heaven. But, you know, we're about people of good works. <laughs> Amen? You know, before you're a Christian, if you try to do good works, it's dead. It doesn't mean anything. After you're saved, you want to do good works, it means something. Is that right? It means something. If you don't think it means something, you and Abraham will have a discussion when you get to heaven. Because the Bible says what he did was counted unto righteousness. God saw his works, come on somebody, and said that was righteous, that was good, amen. And we want the Lord to fist pump and say, amen, that was righteous, amen. You know, I I love this uh, saying, I saw this uh, quote on, um, up up at, I believe it's Balls Mills Methodist Church there on the corner, and they always have something there on their sign. And a few years ago, I love this one, they had it up for quite some time, and I love this, it said, the fabric we weave on earth is the cloak we will wear in eternity. How I many you know it's what we do here on earth that has a lot to do with eternity? That's why we live under the influence of the end. The third thing is not only good works and, 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 and rejecting ungodliness, but we will speak boldly. Speak boldly. Those who, those who live under the influence of the end and understand persevering. This is how we persevere in this life. We speak boldly. We, we continue. Don't, we don't back down. We stand strong. That's how we persevere in our faith is we speak boldly. Notice what it says in verse 15 of Titus chapter 2, staying in that, that text. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Or don't let anyone think of that what you say is not important. He said we need to speak boldly. When, and Paul addressed the church and, and the Romans there in, in the book of Romans, the church there. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I want to tell you right now, especially in Rome, I'm a Roman. Paul was, I'm a Roman and I'm not ashamed of it. When I stand before my other uh, fellow Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's something I proudly, clearly live out loud. Come on. And we are to speak loudly and boldly about Jesus. 
Acts 1.8, Jesus gave the power to be His witnesses. And, and this is so important. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about those that were tremendous witnessing uh, uh, evangelists for Jesus. They said they loved not their lives even unto death. It just They spoke boldly. They opened up their mouth, gave their testimony boldly. Amen. So Jesus really uh, makes it clear. And one of the things that if you're uh, wondering about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the most amazing things about it is it empowers us to speak boldly the things of Jesus Christ. Is that right? Come on. Amen. In the book of Acts, the Bible says the Holy Ghost came on and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They weren't afraid to speak in Rome. They weren't afraid to speak in Greece. They weren't afraid to speak in Asia. They weren't afraid to speak uh, right in the midst of their trial and in persecution. The Bible says they spoke with boldness. Love that. And you know, when they spoke boldly, read that in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says that great grace was upon them all. How many know when you begin to lift up your voice, grace is with you? Great grace is with you. God will embolden you to speak the things the concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, how that people uh, define Jesus, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, that they need to repent of their sins and be baptized in water, and, and they need to live uh, according to the Scriptures. Come on, and they need to obey Jesus and glorify Him and be a witness in the earth. God will give you boldness to say those things. Whether you're standing, I love what Jesus said. He said, when you're brought before the council and they, they're going to persecute you, he said, don't think about what you're going to say. Boy, that's taking a risk, isn't it? He said, in that moment, in that moment, I'll give you the words to say. How many of that's boldness? I'm going to move on you. I'm going to give you boldness. And I believe that God wants to empower you and embolden you, especially teenagers today. How many know we need teens and, and young people that are going to speak boldly the things of the Lord? Amen? To preach the gospel with boldness. I love that. Amen. And so... Um, you know, one of the things that we're warned about, Jesus warns us sternly. He says in Mark uh, Gospel, he says that if you are ashamed of me in this day, in this generation, in this culture, right now, I will be ashamed of you in eternity. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And so nobody just looking at that scripture would say, well, yeah, I, I, I really want Jesus to be ashamed of me. How many know we would say, well, I, I better get busy. <laughs> I better lift my voice. I need to speak a little bit. Amen. Because I don't want the Lord to be ashamed of me. In Psalm 73, one of the things you see, <clears throat> I love that uh, chapter really, but the, the writer of that were the sons of Korah. And one of the things that he's saying there is that he really looked around in his culture and his day and his, his generation and he really began to envy the world and he began to get discouraged in his faith and looked around and started envying the world and, and how that, you know, he, he seemed to be really paying a price for his faith and everybody else was having a good time and sin. And one of the things he said at the very end, he said, until I went into the house of God, then I began to understand the end. When I understood their end and I saw their end, he said I was moved and I was changed and I began to preach the gospel, right? So I believe that we need to speak boldly because, not because we're going to, we're going to show off and be going to tell everybody how much we know and we want, to, we want to get into an argument with everybody. But how many know we need to speak boldly because there's lives on the line? There's hearts at risk. There's people that are in dire straits. There's people, as Joel says in chapter 2, he says there's many people in the valley of decision. Many people in the valley of decision. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so we need a word that people will hear. They'll bring life. A word that brings hope. A word that will you know, really reveal Jesus. How many know that's why we need to speak boldly? Come on, somebody, right? 
We don't speak boldly to win arguments. We speak boldly, amen, to declare Jesus to people so they'll know Him and so they'll follow Him, right? Amen? That's why we speak boldly. Hallelujah. And if you're good at winning arguments, praise God. I don't know. Amen. But I just wanted to say that if you're prepared to die, then you're ready to live. And that's what the Lord wants us to bring, that we're ready to live in boldness and we're ready to speak boldly. And the last thing is that I just want to share today in persevering in this life is those that persevere in this life will endure trials and persecution. This is the good part. This is the exciting part. In James chapter 1, verse 12, he said this, he said, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's a good scripture, isn't it? Blessed are those who persevere under trial. In the good times, when they've got money coming in and, and everybody likes them. No, he says, under trial. That's what the word, the definition of persevere is all about. Endure. It's just, you're under pressure. You're under burden. You're under trial. The Bible says that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. It's more valuable to God to gold than your talents, your abilities, your haircut, your clothes. I mean, it's just more precious, it's more valuable. And also, the writer of Hebrews and also Peter teaches us that the, teach, the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So the more your, your faith is tested, the more endurance you'll have. The more endurance you'll have, the greater your faith will be. <laughs> and the greater your faith becomes, the more endurance you'll have and the more perseverance you'll have. I mean, that's just the way it works, right? And it's just like, again, like running a race or exercising or living, whatever you do in any sport. The more, the more you work at it, the more you apply the weights and the time and you put the time in and you run those laps, the greater the perseverance and the greater the endurance becomes. The strength at the end of the game you'll have. Come on, somebody. Amen. Testing of your faith produces perseverance. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I love this, and I heard this quoted yesterday, that the present things that we go through aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. The trials that we go through, the trouble, the loss, the, the, you know, even the wins, they're not even comparable to the glory that's going to be revealed in us, the Bible says. And, and, and Paul begins to, he doesn't brag. I don't think anybody would really be bragging about being shipwrecked or being persecuted and beaten and, and all those things. But he said this, he said this statement in Romans, he said, what is going to separate us from the love of God? Just what? What can separate us? And he went through this whole list and, and he talks about all this trouble and hardship and tribulation and trials and persecution. And he said, none of this is going to remove you from the love of God. Isn't that great? We go through a hard time. Uh, you know, maybe we just you know, go through a little speed bump in our lives and we think, oh, God doesn't love me. He left me and everything. And here's Paul, shipwrecked, left for bed, uh, dead, beaten, starving. And he says, nothing's going to separate, separate me from God's love. What I'm going through right now isn't, isn't even close to being compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Amen? Oh, man. If we could think like that. If we could just think the way Paul thought about his trouble and his trials, his persecution he went through. You know what he saw? He didn't see how much he was suffering. He saw how much Jesus was getting the glory. How much, how much the doors were opening to people receiving the gospel. I mean, wow, what a perspective. What what. What a way to look at your trials. What a way to see these things. Wow, nothing's going to separate me. Yeah, I just lost this. I lost that. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, he even said nakedness. I mean, that's everything. 
Homeless, naked, I mean, that's pretty bad. Most of the homeless people I know have some clothes on. If you met the Apostle Paul one time, he might not even have clothes on. He just, I don't have anything, not even a suitcase, not even a bag, come on. He said, but it's, he said, all these things I count it loss that I may what? Win Christ. That's what's important. That's just the way he looked at his trials, the way he looked at his, the persecutions in his life. Wow. In fact, Paul exhorts the church in the book of Acts, chapter 10, and he says, I exhorted them and I, I wanted them to continue in the faith and that we the enter into the kingdom of God through much tribulation. Wow, what an exhortation. Can you imagine someone, hey, do you have anything positive to say at this meeting today? Yeah, I just want to say that through a lot of tribulation, that's the only way we're going to get in. Not asking you to speak again, right? In fact, we're not even eating cookies that you brought. Okay, you're not coming back. Right? But he said, listen, you've got to continue in the faith. Yes, I can handle that, Paul. Yes, I'm going to do that. Through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Amen? That's what he said. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse 3 and 4, he says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. He said, man, we suffer like a good soldier. We, we, that's, that's we're conditioning. Come on, we're, this endurance that's going on in our lives, it's for the end. So they'll have strength at the end. All these things that I've been through, it's like a soldier conditioning for war, for battle. Why? Because in the end, man, he's going to have strength in the battle. He's going to be able to run great distances. He's going to be able to camp out and do this and do that and sneak behind enemy lines and, and be, go days without water. And where did he learn that? Well, he learned it at boot camp when, when they weren't feeding him much and he's hiking 20 miles with a pack on his back. Come on. That's where he learned to have strength in the end. That's where he learned to persevere. He said that's the way we need to be in our Christian walk, that we, we, we learn these things that we go through that we'll have strength in the end. Amen. And so when Jesus talked about enduring to the end, he talked about persecution. Let me just go through this uh, in closing. He said you'll be hated. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be falsely accused. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to suffer emotional, mental, and physical hurt. That's what he said. And he said, but he that endures to the end will be saved. If you go through it, amen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you strength. And he, one of the things that he even taught us is that when we're verbally abused, we bless people who verbally abuse us. We, we, when we're persecuted, we endure it. We go through it knowing that, that God's working something more valuable than gold in us and more valuable than what we can see. And then in the end, it's going to receive, God's going to receive glory in it. Wow. In fact, Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy even further and he said, All those who live godly shall suffer persecution. Is that a blessing that you have written on your refrigerator? That's a promise. That's a promise. Shall suffer persecution. And you know, when you read these scriptures and you go through something, you know what you do? You're just like, yep, that's exactly what the Lord said. I expected it. So I can do it. I can go through it. Amen? How many know it's one more lap around the track? Just one more lap around the track. That's all, that's all it says, so that I'll have strength in the end. The Lord will rescue us. The Lord will bless us. The Lord will be glorified. The gospel will go out through our suffering, through our trials, through our persecution. Peter declared, but if when you do what is right and you suffer for it and you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. God is, is favored in this. He loves this is what he's saying. And don't be ashamed. Make sure that you suffer for the right thing, he's saying. How many know that we need to make sure that we're suffering for the right thing? We need to make sure that it's about suffering for the name of Jesus, not sin that we're in in our lives. That's what he said. 
Amen. He said, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't back down from it if you're suffering for doing what's right. This is all part of God's bigger plan in your life. Man, there's a, there's a, there's a blessing coming. There's a glory coming. Amen. Amen. That may not, you may not shout, but man, that'll preach. But that's what he said. And, and Paul began to see these things. And as his journeys went on and he, his life went on, he began to say that. And as I said before, he said this. He said that all these things I've been through, I count them as loss that I may win Christ. There's a bigger picture here. There's a greater thing that's going on here. That All the things I'm going through, this, I'm going to persevere. And so those that are living under the influence of the end, persevere in this life. How many can say that the Lord has really been working in my life lately than teaching me to endure? Amen? Teaching me endurance so that I can really say that I'm living under the influence of the end. Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? Just want to share some things in, as we get ready to pray. So we know that God calls every believer to persevere in this life. Amen. I think next month we'll talk about good stuff and joy and rainbows and things like that and all that and great blessings. But to live strong, this is what he teaches us, to live strong and to be faithful to Jesus. That's what it means to persevere. How I many know it means one of the things that we learn as, a, a, as we persevere in this life, we learn to live strong. The Bible says be strong in the Lord. Be strong with the Lord, for the Lord. Come on, be strong in the Lord. And then he teaches us to be faithful to Jesus. And the, the bigger picture that Paul had in his sufferings was that I'm going to be faithful to Jesus Christ. That's why he said we're not people that turn back. We're not people that give up easily. We're not people that retreat. Why? Because I'm faithful to the one who called me. I want to apprehend that which I've been apprehended for. I'm faithful to the one who called me. The world didn't call me. Come on. People didn't call me. People didn't save me. Nobody else saved me. Jesus saved me. Amen. He's the one I'm going to see. He's the one that I'm really living for. He's the one that this is all about. Right? Amen. This is what it's all about. Everything that I have is from Him. Everything is about Him in my life. Everything is for Him in my life. Amen is what he's saying. I like what he says here in 2 Thessalonians. He says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's steadfastness. That's where he wants to direct your heart. The love of God and the perseverance of Jesus. Wow. We're doing it for the Lord. Amen. So, so we're learning these things. To be steadfast, immovable, and fully engaged, this is perseverance. To deny sin, to practice good works, to speak boldly, endure hardship, this is perseverance. Amen? And the one thing we can be sure of is that no matter what we go through, God is with us. So we can persevere. We could go through anything because he's with us. Amen? I mean, that's kind of the disciples felt that way. Lord, I can, if you said I'm going to the other side, I can get through this storm. If you said that we're going to have bread after the sermon, I can believe you for the miracles, for the impossible. If you said that the gospel's going all over the world be through us, I'll receive the Holy Ghost. Amen? I mean, that's how the disciples felt. That's how we feel today. We feel like, Lord, we're ready to persevere in this life. We're ready to glorify you in our lives. No matter what we go through, we know you're with us, that you can be glorified because we're living under the influence of the end today. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for, Lord, a group of people that just 
really know what it's like to go through hardships. They know what it's like to go through trials. They know what it's like to to go through all the things that we're surrounded by in our culture and our society today. But they're also people who know their God and know the strength of our God and know the, Lord, the promises of our God are yea and they are amen. Lord, you'd never take us through something without a plan in mind first. You'd never give us something too heavy to bear. You'd never lead us into temptation. None of those things that would crush us and hurt us, Lord, and ultimately cause us to die. But Lord, the plan of God in our lives is that we will be faithful and endure to the end. That we'll have strength to the end of the race. Lord, whatever we go through is all for the prize at the end. We're living under the influence of the end. And we live, Lord, under your influence today. The influence of your grace. The impact of grace in our lives, Lord, it just changes us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer today, we have a prayer team that comes and gathers around the front. And we'd love to pray with you about anything. If you're new with us today, we just have some people coming around introducing themselves. There's coffee in the back. and uh, But for the rest of us, hopefully we'll see you at the game tonight. God bless you. Amen.